Friday, the day we host journalists for a roundtable discussion of the week's events and news. With us today are Jan Murphy, who covers the Capitol for Penn Live, and Charlie Thompson covers public policy for Penn Live. I want to thank both of you for being with us today. Thanks thank for you, having Scott. us, Scott. All right. So the big news of the week, or the one that everyone, if in the history books we look back on this week, it would probably be Governor Josh Shapiro's first budget as uh, Pennsylvania governor. But I want to bring up an unusual kind of issue. When I say unusual, meaning I don't know if we've ever, ever heard this from a political party or anything even publicly. Charlie Thompson, I'll direct it to you. And that is the Washington County Republican Committee. Ask Senator John Fetterman, who checked himself into Walter Reed Army Hospital a couple weeks ago uh, to be treated for clinical depression. But uh, the Washington County Republican Committee asked Senator Fetterman to prove that he is alive and well. Yeah. Now, I'm not necessarily looking for comment on or insight into what the county committee is looking for. But this does bring up the point of how Senator Fetterman's health continues to be an issue for many people. Sure, it does. And I mean, really, it has been since we learned in the days leading up to the primary last May that he had suffered a stroke. Um, You know, from that point on, I think a lot of people who were watching the races were wondering, is is he going to continue his candidacy or is he going to step down? Because sooner or later... You know, there has to be a moment of reckoning when you have a health challenge like that, right? I, I know that he was very eager to be a senator, and he was very um, interested in trying to help build that Democratic majority in Washington. So, obviously, as we learned, there was no way that he was going to give up that shot. And um, you know, he took a few months off the campaign trail, came back during the summer, and. Um, you know, it was a different John Fetterman, though, because he has these ongoing auditory processing issues. And uh, I think, you know, by all accounts, what we've always heard is that they've always said there is no loss of cognitive function, right? So you still get the same intellect and, and um, you know, ability to to think and do and, and that sort of thing. But it's just that that speech function and, and hearing others' speech that, that is affected. And they're working around that with tablets and that sort of thing. But so, you know, he, he's taken on this job. But, you know, what what we've read in in the interim is that, you know, people have said that when you have a stroke like that, there really is some, it, it was probably harmful to him to try to be a Senate candidate when he should have been focused on his recovery. And that that may have set him back and prolonged the recovery. It may have even lowered the ceiling on how much of a recovery he can make. And and all these things are, are things that will only reveal themselves over time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as far as this, um, this demand of, of proof that he is alive and well, I mean, uh, it just, that just seems like banging the drum for the base, you know. And I, I don't think anybody seriously thinks that there's some conspiracy involving Fetterman not being alive. I mean, in fact... Wait a minute, Charlie. Yeah. Are you sure you don't think that there's a people, there are people out there who <laughs> believe there's a conspiracy? <laughs> because there are a lot of conspiracy theorists nowadays who yeah. believe almost anything. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> there are probably some people who took that to heart, but oh, yeah. I, I don't even think the Republican county chairman there believes that. Um, interestingly, I, I was just trying to see what kind of response 
um, you know, uh, Mrs. Fetterman put a, has put a tweet up here of herself and the kids visiting with, with Fetterman at the Walter Reed Medical Center today. And, you know, so I don't know if that's it. I don't know if that's a direct response, but mm. they have made an effort to put some photos out of and, and yesterday, I think in Washington, there, there, they were, um, offering questions from Fetterman to the Norfolk Southern. Yeah, there was a story this week that uh, he he is still performing his duties as a senator, co-sponsored legislation from uh, the the hospital. Can I just say also, you know, look, I mean, it's it's not an ideal situation, but it's not unprecedented for, for people in the U.S. Senate to be impaired by a health condition. It, Heck, we got a lot of them now. We have right. Senator McConnell. I mean, it's... You yeah, know, who tripped and fell right, the other day. Yeah. Has a concussion. I mean, yeah. you know, we'll see how that, that plays out. And I guess Senator Feinstein, too, from California. I mean, and Senator Casey just had <laughs> prostate right. surgery. Right. You know, so there's health issues come up a lot. Well, the thing that's really interesting about this is how it has been approached. I'm talking about Senator Fetterman. I mean, there were a lot of people who have come out and uh, lauded him for having the courage to come out and say he's being treated for clinical depression. But the political opponents, how this has become, it's just a good example of how everything nowadays is political. Donald Trump Jr. calling him a vegetable. Right. Fox News, I, you know, you, I'll be going through the channels and I'll see something on Fetterman where they're attacking him left and right uh, and saying that he's not being transparent. Now, these are some things that yeah. uh, I think even some Democrats, but they've taken it to a new level of not being transparent. So it has become a political issue. Yeah. Look, they, they left. There's no doubt that um, they probably... Whether whether they actually couldn't answer some of these questions or whether they didn't answer some of these questions, there's no doubt that as voters, we didn't know the full picture of John Fetterman's health when primary day came. I mean, he was on the campaign trail, so to a certain extent, people could judge for themselves what they were seeing. You know, he did a debate with, right. with Mehmet Oz. But, um, you know, and this has all been compounded, I mean, by the depression which he checked himself that's why he's in the hospital now and and I, um, I, I don't want to overly speculate but I mean I, I think I've read people have theorized that the depression is probably a result yeah. of I mean he has said that he has battled depression before but but this particular bout may have been brought by his own feelings about the pace of his recovery and how maybe he doesn't feel like he's the same person he was yeah, it's, before. It's, it's and, common depression yeah. after a serious illness. I want to change gears now. Uh, Jen, uh, another issue this week was uh, State Representative Mike Zabel of Delaware County, Democrat, uh, resigned after at least three women, there may be more, but at least three women accused him of sexual harassment. Uh, at first, uh, the Democratic caucus accepted that uh, he was going to seek treatment, uh, but and had resigned from a committee. But uh, for the most part, he was going to he was going to stay in the in the House. Well, he resigned when more women came out with accusations. This has it's brought up an issue in the state legislature at the Capitol, and that is that of sexual harassment. Read a, a few women who have said that this is not uncommon at the state capitol. You guys have worked at the capitol for a long time. Do you hear things like that? 
Sure. Um, you know, back when the, the Me Too movement first came about, uh, we were hearing from from lobbyists back then saying, you know, talking about, you know, being uh, just the sexual misconduct and, and being the target of that, it, whether it was inside the Capitol or at the Hilton where a lot of uh, lawmakers stay when they're in Harrisburg or, you know, just out and about. And so, it, you know, it has been it has been an issue that it seems like women have, you know, put up with, but now they're not putting up with it anymore. And as I said to someone this week, I really feel like with um, Representative Major, who was the the uh, representative who came out this week with her accusations of against um, Representative Zabel, who his, uh, by the way, his resignation takes effect this coming That's Thursday. Right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's- He's it's, still in office. He's still yeah. in office, still collecting his pay. And, um, but, you know, she, she, she just, she was, you know, one, um, in, the thing is, uh, you know, as you think about in January is when we first heard about these accusations being made public when Andy Perez, a political director for a labor union, spoke out at a, at a, at a hearing that the speaker had called about being, um, she didn't name Representative Zabel at the time, but, you know, she, everybody, <laughs> people call it the open secret that, you know, that the, that this particular legislator has been a problem. And um, some of the, the freshman women are saying, yeah, we were warned, don't, you know, don't be around the representative Zabel. So it really. And so, you know, I mean, they, they legislators said, elected uh, legislators were warned ahead of time to stay away from this guy. Yeah. So it's been. Yeah. They said, you know, don't don't walk alone in Harrisburg at night and don't be alone with representative Zabel. And as, as Representative Major said, she was at, at uh, a, a bar in Harrisburg. I think it was the Hilton, actually. But um, and that's when he you know, she was paying her bill and he came up to her and told her, you know, she looked great because she lost so much weight and he was rubbing her back. And she she felt uncomfortable and she caught the eye of someone, uh, a male colleague that was there and made her way away from him like he he also had said to her you know let's get out of here let's go up to our upstairs or whatever um and i thought i i loved her line at the news conference when she said i didn't come to harrisburg to find a boyfriend and it's like i mean i just thought wow this is you know but this i really feel like there is there's women that are not going to put up with this stuff and that are you know, younger women that are getting elected to the legislature that are saying enough already. You know, I'm here to work. Will there be change in the legislature as a result of this? Well, there's um, there's there is an ethics uh, role that um, was passed uh, by approved by the House that um, there there's uh, Republicans especially feel that it doesn't go far enough. I mean, it. I think there's there's folks that feel that the um, the rule should be 24/7. That you know it doesn't matter where you might be sexually harassed by a a lawmaker or where any ethical misbehavior happens, you know you should be able to file a complaint against them. But um, there's the Republicans feel that the the rule uh, specifically says you know about being inside the Capitol or at a, at a Capitol you know a, official event kind of a situation or. Um, the Senate, meanwhile, though, has the Senate Democratic Democrats have their own policy that is is broader, and um, the 
Senator Moots and Senator Lindsey Williams are pushing for that chamber to adopt a broader policy. The Senate Republicans haven't gone there yet. And and I don't know, I'm sure pressure will build on them to <laughs> change their policy. Wow. But it's, yeah, it is something. It, it, it really but, is. I, I, I just got to say, I, I, I am um, always floored by these revelations because as, as a man I'm floored by these revelations because I, I feel like you know after Matt Lauer and Harvey Weinstein you know like who doesn't get this by now you know yeah. it, it's just incredible to me I, I, I have to think that the culture is going to improve mm-hmm. because who wants to be that next Mike Zabel you know yeah, yeah but Charlie what you just just described uh, you would think that, okay, it's been a few years since the first Me Too revelation with Harvey Weinstein. Weinstein came out. And yet here we are a few years later and there still are men that are, are, are doing it. And what do they think? They're different? Or is yeah. it alcohol involved? I mean, many of these cases involved uh, uh, being in a bar or something like that. No excuse. Just saying that people, whether they're drunk or not, have to know what's acceptable, what's not. Right. Our guest today, Jay Murphy and Charlie Thompson, both reporters for Penn Live, kind of the weekend review, reporters roundtable, journalist roundtable here on the Spark today. Uh, just one more question having to do with uh, the resignation next week of uh, Representative Zabel. There is a political aspect to this. I mean, I almost hate to bring it up because it pales in comparison to how lives are being changed and the, the, the uh, trauma that a lot of people are going through. But there is a political aspect to this in that Democrats have had a, a one-person majority in the House, was a surprise with the midterm election. So what happens now with the resignation of uh, Representative Zabel? Well, at this point, the Democrats will still hold on to their majority by one seat come Thursday when Representative Zables take the effect because uh, Representative uh, Schlegel Culver uh, was elected to the Senate. So she is a Republican. She left. So, um, yeah, so at this point, uh, you know, the the Democrats have their majority and um, the Republican seat will be uh, filled in the May primary. So then we could have a situation where, where it's 101, a, 101 for a while. Right. But the rules also that they passed that, that the, um, it, that the, because if there's a special election who's ever in the majority, they remain in the majority until that person takes their, takes, is seated. Something mm. along those lines, yeah. <laughs> and um, okay. but I mean, there, you know, this is this Scott. This is one point that I've heard from some Republicans is that they felt that the um, the Democrat, the House Democrats, did not respond quickly enough to the Representative Zabel situation because they wanted to protect their majority and keep him there as long as possible so that they could enjoy that majority status that they haven't had for twelve years. Mm. Yeah, I go ahead, Charlie. What you say? Yeah, I mean. I, I think that um, the way it's going to work is, assuming a Republican fills that that seat um, in um, sort of the Northumberland. Northumberland County area, it would be 101-101. But um, I don't think the Zabel seat 
I, I guess it depends on when she can set that primary election date. I don't know if, if she if being it, uh, the uh, Speaker McClinton. McClinton right? Yeah. I don't know if that can happen on primary day or if it would have to happen later because there's a 60-day rule right. there. Right, and so it's March but, 16th was when his takes yeah. effect. And, and May the primary is May 16th. May 17th, I thought. I think it's 16th okay. this year. But, okay. but anyway, the bottom line is it's going to be 101-101 for a while and maybe for an extended period. But I don't think that anybody would make a move on Joanna McClinton because that would require somebody from the Democratic Party to flip. And as long as they're in the majority, why would they do that? Yeah. You know? Well, so. again, these are the kind of things that uh, regular people probably don't follow closely. But because we're talking about yeah. to something as, you know, so close of uh, a majority, that will dictate, you yeah. know, what kind of legislation will come out of it. And, you know, obviously f facing some very important issues. Right. Let's get back to the budget for, for uh, a, a moment. Um, governor Shapiro's first budget as governor, that's why it was in March rather than, than February, uh, $44 billion, $44.4 billion uh, increase in, uh, in spending. But... Uh, I don't know I, how many do you. I don't know if you can say, say this or name this right off the top of your heads. How many budgets have the two of you covered? Hmm. I think the first <laughs> the first one I covered was 1999. Okay, and mine was 2000. So. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so between the two of you, we're looking at like 40 years of budgets. Uh, I'm probably. I know. I know. I know. Thanks, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll add myself in there, and we're up to 60. Uh, so uh, anyway. This one felt different. It just did. It, I, you know, there were some things that uh, Governor yeah. Shapiro did that were a little bit different in how it was delivered. But even it was different the, on a couple couple the, levels. The language yeah. and everything else. You you agree? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, one thing was the response to it, right? Because we've been used to um, sort of these uh, predictable. The governor gives arrival. his budget. <laughs> And the Republicans, you know, just kick it and punch it and stab it and kill it every way possible <laughs> right right off the bat. And they accuse the governor of living in fantasy land and that sort of thing. And um, maybe maybe it's because it was his first year. But but I, I know like we people who have talked about this said that, um, you know, like even in Rendell's first year and Wolf's first year, their budgets were not well received by the legislature at the time. This new governor, you know, there, there does seem to be a little bit of a honeymoon that's still in effect because the Republicans were offering him olive branches and they said, you know, they used words like reasonable and there's things we can get behind here. And, you know, we're glad that this was a less political or less ideological address than we've seen in the past. And so there... Both sides seem to be sort of dancing around this idea of, hey, maybe we can, you know, maybe we can have an era of good feeling here for a little yeah. while. Gene, what stuck out to you after 20 years of covering? I'll just remind you of that again. <laughs> 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 the um, well, the, the one thing that we have to mention is is the governor's entrance into the chamber that day. With he came in from the rear of the chamber, walking up yeah. to the rostrum, and that. Other governors, there's a, a door right by the governor's office that leads into the House chamber, and they can step right up to the rostrum. But, um, you know, Governor He took Shapiro, the scenic route. Yeah, he took the scenic <laughs> route. It kind of re reminded a lot of people of, like, the State of the Union address. 
But, um, you know, as far as the response goes, I, I think that um, it, it was interesting because it seemed like one of the biggest question marks about this budget was how was Governor Shapiro going to deal with the Commonwealth Court ruling on education funding that said our funding ed- system is unconstitutional. And he he didn't propose any sweeping you know, change or putting four billion dollars into education. He basically said, you know, I'm, I'm giving, I'm putting five hundred and some million dollars into basic ed, but this is the start of a conversation. We're going, and he talked about talking with the legislators. We have about forty seconds left, and I don't know how you can do this in forty seconds, Jan. But you wrote a column this week. It's no longer the hundred thousand dollar club. People making and state government making about hundred thousand dollars is two hundred thousand dollars. What did you find in thirty seconds or less? Well, we have people that are now in the $500,000 category, and I think that that will be uh, shocking to people. But that's, yeah, it's the, the numbers are growing. <laughs> <laughs> Inflationary uh, salaries in state government as well. Charlie Thompson and Jan Murphy of Penn Live, thank you very much for being with us today. Thank, thank you. you. Our Scott. pleasure. Thanks for listening to The Spark on WITF, your home for NPR and discovering all things local. I'm Scott Lamar. Have yourself a great day.